Dudes watch Disney podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Rescue me, babe. In your arms, rescue me. That's a good song. Right? Yeah, that's better than the song opening I was gonna do. <laughs> Fontella Bass, I believe is her name. Could be bass, but I'm pretty sure it's bass. <laughs> you know, she doesn't sing with a bass. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. so uh, I don't, she doesn't look like a fish, as far as I know, either. But I don't know what she looks like. I was gonna say it's episode seventeen. Seventeen. It's not very many in two years, but it's just enough for me. That's. That song's about statutory rape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's I unfortunate. Brought, I brought it into our Disney podcast. <laughs> is that the is that the Cherry Pie guys or is that a different band? Mm, I no, it's Winger. <laughs> Winger's oh, okay. Warrant is the Cherry Pie guys. Oh, so I was close. Yeah, <laughs> I mean with W. How different are? are the... I mean, it wasn't Wing or Wings. So <laughs> how, just name how, them Wing. <laughs> how different are the various hair metal bands anyway? that start with w like it's pretty close mm. i'm jake by the way and this is dudes oh, watch Disney. are we go oh yeah and i'm dustin <laughs> fucking why not i know a lot about <laughs> i know a lot about air metal <laughs> have you noticed this is very specific but i'm sure with your satellite radio you don't listen to like local radio stations at all anymore no the point has well the the local sports station i listen to the buzz but... the point has so much hair metal on it now like it's the Ooh. worst. They added. It's we've reached the the '90s are now classic rock, so we have all that. Oh, so we have like yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nirvana and tons of hair metal, <laughs> like Cinderella of like Once Bitten Twice Shy and shit is on there all the time. And way too much Def Leppard. Does anyone like Def Leppard? Because I don't get it at all. Uh, no, not me. Anyway. <laughs> Jake and Dustin talking about Disney. Yeah, all right. We're talking about the rescuers today, but I actually had a bit of a field report I wanted to do before we got into that. Again, that, that was sounds, breaking news. That sounds like the Mario Star music every time you do that. Oh. Well, how should it sound? What would what would be a good newsreel? I, I, I watched the the remake of Pete's Dragon. Is what I wanted to talk oh, about. Okay, yeah. there has never been more of a case of throw away the book than that remake because <laughs> like i don't know name name five things you remember about pete's dragon that might be difficult <laughs> to right. begin with <laughs> yeah dragon's a cartoon okay well cgi I but that one counts kept forgetting his name and thinking <laughs> couldn't could, what well, I, I couldn't remember the kid's name <laughs> i thought the dragon's name was pete even right. though the name of the damn movie is pete's dragon pete and elliot uh, are still the same there's uh, the hillbilly yep. family. Yeah, that, That's right. not in the remake. <laughs> no oh, hillbilly. The best part. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, Honest John. Not in the remake. <laughs> okay. Um, Songs. Not in the remake. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, the drunk. Uh, not in the remake. <laughs> what is his name though? Uh, Mickey Rooney. The actor. Yeah, Mickey Rooney. Yeah. I'll call you Topper. He's played by Robert Redford, who seems to only exist in like generic feel-good movies these days. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I think he's doing the Robert De Niro thing, but like instead of comedies, it's just like Lifetime movies. <laughs> but oof. So yeah, so he's Pa. Um, 
and like he is just like an old guy he's not like crazy or drunk or anything he's just like happy grandpa basically and he he saw a dragon in the forest and like no one believes him but he's just like well i'll always remember him that day or something it's not like you gotta believe me or anything and like I don't know, the logging industry is like the bad guys for a second. Like, I thought it was going to get real fern gully, but it doesn't too bad. <laughs> but it it's definitely starts out that way. And the movie opens like, spoilers if you want to go see this, like, every, <laughs> everyone talks about like, up, you know, it tells such an amazing story in like the opening five minutes and it breaks everyone's hearts and all that stuff. Uh, Pete's yeah. Dragon does that tries to do that but they only give it like 20 seconds so it's like here's pete and his parents in this car oh you're going on an adventure pete isn't this gonna be fun ah crash pete's alone like we literally know nothing about the parents (laughs) like it's literally hey meet these people that are about to die (laughs) which is not really even a thing you have to do like you can just say pete's an orphan and go from there right but then he you meets Elliot, to. and then, I don't know. It's nothing at all similar to, like, the first one's not great, but, like, it's campy and ridiculous and has tons of goofy songs. And, no, this is just, like, we took the, the like, one-sentence treatment of Pete's Dragon, the, the 70s version of just, like, there is a kid in the forest who has a dragon. Yep, well, that's all we need. We don't need anything else. Let's make a movie now. <laughs> And it's not like it was yeah. bad, like it was a fine hour and a half, but I don't know, it just felt so like soulless compared to the original. Upcoming Pixar hot take. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can pretty much turn off the movie Up after the first 10 minutes. There, I said it. I enjoy Up. You don't like the dog? I mean, the first 10 minutes are fantastic, right? and then the rest of the movie is could be, mm-hmm. I think it, it doesn't feel Pixar, it could be a DreamWorks movie after that. Mm, I'll give you a little bit on that because like yeah when we're like farting around in the forest like looking for this bird I don't know it does Mm -hmm. sort of go off a cliff a little bit yeah what if what if animals could talk is the entire dreamworks you know (laughs) I suppose it's a fair point but the dog being like I was hiding under your porch because I love you (laughs) well sure that dog is cute yes and then they give the big dog a little voice like I don't know. I mean, I love Pixar. Don't get me wrong, Pixar. But I think, you know, people say they like Up. They really like the first 10 minutes of Up. Yeah. Well, and the house taking off, I think. I think everything after we land in the forest is like kind of go. It's been a while since I've seen Up, so I could be talking out of my ass. But I remember, yeah, it's not outstanding or anything. Can't wait till that one gets a sequel for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't really talked about like the Disney and Pixar trajectory of like the 2010s i guess but like for such a while and we'll definitely get to that when we get to disney of the 2000s like disney fell off a cliff but then pixar shot up and it just seems like they've kind of inverted at this point maybe they're leveling out again to where it's just like let's do whatever we can to make money but like pixar definitely started doing that before disney did where it's just like uh cars 2 uh toy story 2 3 cars 3 they still have some good ones monsters university Sure, but Inside Out and Inside uh, Out was great. What, what else, else have they done the... lately? Coco? Is that that was Pixar, right? Coco was yeah, great. Coco. Yeah, Coco. Uh huh. There seems like there was another one I can't think of right now, but yeah. But it it just feels like you know what didn't sell any toys up, <laughs> Wally. True. <laughs> Ratatouille. Yeah. Like we can't we can't have films that don't sell toys anymore. So Coco, we can at least sell all the cool skeletons and guitars and stuff, and you know. When they make. 
and they will make Ratatouille 2. Will it be called Ratatouille? <laughs> that that would be two? the most DreamWorks thing they could do. <laughs> Ratatouille, Remy's Recipe, or something stupid <laughs> like that. That it's should just... all be the title, or something <laughs> stupid like that. Boom, send it out. Trying to think if there was any. I had a couple notes on Pete's Dragon. I was trying to make sure I got oh, through them all. Okay. There was a young girl character that became like friends with Pete. I don't know. And yeah, I'm not surprised they didn't gen- gender swap Pete and just make it like he wears a really bad a girl wig the Pete. whole time. So oh, maybe well, Pete is go. a girl. I don't know. Hmm. Um, and also like the uh, the soundtrack is like the most shitty white guy acoustic shit that plays like throughout. Ooh. It's pretty bad. <clears throat> but you know what uh, i go to see a lot of kids movies mm-hmm. you know nothing wrong don't judge that. me people out there and so you know what i saw a trailer for a shit ton was this like nickelodeon movie called like monster trucks or something like that or like i remember that yeah it's yeah. like a truck yeah, that I, is a monster <laughs> yeah i don't even know if that's the real name of the movie i think so. it was <laughs> what else would you call that movie i don't know but we saw that trailer i don't know how many times it looked bad. No interest in seeing the movie, of course. And it went like it came out Straight. the theaters and it went instantly yeah, exactly. to streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not not surprised that one didn't do too well. Yeah, monster trucks, plural. A young man working in a small town junkyard discovers and befriends a creature which feeds on oil, being sought by a fracking company. Okay, so there's that. Do you ever get like duped by kids' movies where you see them and you're like, the trailers? I feel like I can tell a bad a trailer for a bad big movie like blockbuster that kind of stuff like i can immediately see a trailer for that and be like that's gonna be crap i don't want to see that but with kids mm-hmm. movies it's much more like i don't know that might be cool maybe we should check that out like on Redbox or something like mm, no no usually all the like trailers at a kid's movie just make me go oh why am i at this kid's movie <laughs> i shouldn't be here free birds is the one that i that sticks <laughs> with that me the, the turkey most. one Yes, the turkey. Right. I want to say Owen Wilson is in it because, of course, Probably. Owen Wilson is in it. I don't even know if he really is. Might have slandered the good name <laughs> of Owen Wilson. Um, I was going to say, uh, do you remember the Blue Sky film uh, Epic that came out like 2013 or something? It was about the forest and like Aziz Ansari was a snail. And I don't remember I, I've much I've never else. seen it. But no, we watched it. I saw that trailer and thought it looked really cool. Like, oh, that looks like a cool like kids adventure, you know, and maybe it'll be funny. And it was not funny and it was not interesting. And nobody else watched it. What was the name of the one that had the snail that was really fast? Because that was one to <laughs> speed like, demon. I don't know. That I, that I saw the trailer <laughs> I know for a million about. times. Oh, it is amazing how like all there were so many bad CG movies that came out in the last like I don't know, 18 months, and they are all immediately on Netflix. Like, Boss oh, yeah. Baby, The Emoji Movie, Trolls. Which like, is also kind of my fault for being, you know, in my 30s and still going to kids' movies and being like, that looks stupid. Right. Like, this is a kids' movie. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking... So the Rescuers. <laughs> I was going to say, well, speaking of kids' movies, I don't, The Rescuers is not like any of the films we just discussed because <laughs> those are all like very like we're gonna make fart jokes and that kind of shit and the rescuers i don't think tries to make any jokes at any point like it's just slow and sad and we brought in bob newhart like yeah he's funny like give him some funny things to do but no no man um i mean we're just gonna tell a sad story about a girl and at the end We'll see if we can save her. Like, it's not like, and then we'll do a big musical number, and she wants to grow up and do this, and blah, 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 and all this marketing kind of stuff you would expect from a major, like, kids movie 
studio. I don't know in the 70s if that was the same or not, but Disney had been doing yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know either. One thing that I do like from the beginning of the movie is it has a cold open. I did like, think that was really cool, the, yeah. We haven't seen up that. Up to this point, none of the other Disney movies have done that. I don't know right. if any do that later on. Right, but. it's like opening title, and then here's a scene of Penny, who I'm legitimately surprised I remembered her name when I started that sentence, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, Penny is on a little houseboat out in a swamp, and she goes out, and she, you know, sneaking out, looking behind her, that kind of stuff, throws a bottle into the swamp. You know, we can assume it has a message in it. Um, but do you think with it being a swamp, like the bottle wouldn't really go anywhere like it'd get caught on some reeds and shit it's true there's not really like a tide in the swamp no. as far as i know like but it goes all the way to new york city <laughs> so while that? that's while that's happening we get a a very budget conscious like slideshow opening of of like matte paintings which the paintings themselves look cool but it's also like we didn't have to animate this so it's like <laughs> exactly we scan the whole thing in and then it just the painting just like moves on the screen of just like, oh, here's a big wave crash, and then like, you know, here's the bottle floating up into the harbor, and I don't know. But the opening is kind of cool. It makes the whole thing kind of seem like uh, like a play, like you were going to see, not a good play necessarily, yeah. but going to the theater to see a play, a, uh, you know, a dramatic performance. And yeah, I'm explaining what a play is in yeah, case you, you know, didn't know what that, that is. That thing where they act out in front of you, and it's been around yeah. since ancient Greece. You know, it's... <laughs> theater with an re you know it's much fancier and you know it really does set like the somber tone for the whole film too just like this is the speed we're going at so buckle up or don't because it's a nice slow ride <laughs> right. you won't be in any danger as we are as, as i watched this movie i just thought about other swamp movies that i enjoy like uh princess and the frog pretty good or like the water boy <laughs> Um, I haven't seen The Water you know. Boy since the 90s. Oh, well. So. I mean, I don't know that I have either, but, you know, if we're going to talk about swamp culture or <laughs> that, like, Tiny Toons thing where they end up in the swamp and it's like, I can't marry both of them. That's bigamy. That's bigamy. <laughs> I don't remember. Is that the How I Spent Your Summer Vacation movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I don't remember that scene. With the, there's a big gator and, like, he wants Bugs to marry Bugs? both of his daughters. Not bugs, Buster. Uh, Buster. Yeah. To me, I don't. Yeah, no, no, whatever. Marry both of his daughters or something. Tunes. I don't know. I remember. There's a car. There's a car. There's a car. Yeah. Uh, the bullet train to heck. So now we're in New York City, and we get to see some rotoscoped humans walking around, going about business. Uh, we're at you know the UN, so we see a lot of different cultures. Um, I didn't think anyone looked like too disney stereotypey so i guess they did okay there uh yeah until we get to the rescue aid society right because um, at this point no everybody looks cool <clears throat> we get we get normal people and then we get the tiny mice versions of real life people which is a an idea we later revisit in the great mouse detective um which is a better movie but mm-hmm. and then we get to see the mouse version of the un called the rescue aid society and we get to see all the countries there and i say countries but some of them are not countries there's one that just says <laughs> africa like yeah that's that's unfortunate that guy's got a lot of uh of area to represent political statement each tiny little european country is represented and then you yeah. get one representative yeah. all of africa yeah also that's vienna is there not a country and even though we already had austria <laughs> like there's austria and vienna and africa oh, well, how about that maybe it's vaini like the people that make the weenies you know it could be that's it's a good southern joke uh so do you think i mean we just said that we like the cold open and everything 
But do you think it would have made more sense to establish the Mouse Society first, explain that this is a thing and what they do or whatever, right. instead well, of... That, I think, uh, represents an overall bigger issue with this film, is are we telling the story of Bernard and Bianca, or are we telling a story of Penny? Because that's difficult to do both at the same time, and it's... Right. I don't know. And how far down the line of like people who should have helped her does it have to go before <laughs> right. it falls under the purview of the Rescue Aid Society? They say something later when we're talking to Rufus the cat, and he's like, oh, the cops have just given up on it, and it's like, fucking cops, obviously. Like, <laughs> right. Can't it's trust a girl. Them. They don't give a shit. <laughs> it's a white girl that's gone missing? This should yeah, be seriously. right up their alley. This should be yeah. on the news. Topical. <laughs> but like, so we go into the UN, not the UN, we go into the Rescue Aid Society and we get to meet uh, Bernard and Bianca. Uh, Bernard is the janitor. He's not actually part of anything, but he's going to be because that's how the film works. Um, and he's also, we get to see he's really superstitious because he's got to climb, climb a ladder slash comb to get uh, up into the the bottle to retrieve the letter and all that. And he's like, Oh, there's, there's 13 steps on this ladder. And then, you know, sort of set up yep. like this guy's really fretful and worried about stuff. And yeah, my favorite thing about this movie, and that's sort of a nicest guy in prison, tallest building in Wichita, Kansas sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my favorite thing about the movie is the way that they repurpose human items to use yep. in mouse world or whatever with the comb ladder. And I think they use like a box of matches for a stage or something like that. A sardine like, can to like buckle them in on the, the flight. Yeah. Yeah. That that's There's a lot of charm in that. Again, more of a thing in The Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> So, you know, my notes are legendarily great. Yeah. So, Bernard is a janitor, Africa is a country, or just horribly underrepresented. Everyone thinks Bianca's hot. I like human objects repurposed, recycled animations, Sir Hiss. I feel like the bottle could have been opened before the session started. Probably. Who is Sir Hiss? Is his voice uh, in this? There must have... No, I think it was a recycled animation of something from, like, Sir Hiss when he's, like, in the basket, or I don't remember okay. now, because, you know, it's been a, a little bit. Right. Hard to say. But, uh, yeah, so we talked about Bernard. I guess we might as well talk about Bianca, who is an interesting point, um, and really dates this film, I think, because it's like, hey, feminism, we're letting the woman do things, but it's also very 70s feminism of, like, women be shopping at the same time, of just, <laughs> like, you know, oh, she's got on her best dress and her best cologne and she doesn't want to wrinkle anything but she's also going to go out and she's the out you know outgoing one and bernard's the one that's really worried and i don't know it it's like maybe it was progressive at the time but like time has gone way past that now to where it looks more regressive than if we just made a film about dudes and dudes were doing this like i don't know and i have since watched uh the Rescuers Down Under, because we have them on the same disc, and I watched one, and was like, well, we're watching the other one now. <laughs> we do, too, but I did not watch the other one yet. Right. Um, and, like, they really toned that down in the 90s. Like, That's what I was going to say. I wonder mm-hmm. if in the sequel, because I don't remember, if in the sequel right. they do the same thing. Or Bianca they... kind of just kicks ass in the second one, and, like, has that little, like, subplot of, like, uh, the Australian mouse is hitting on her or whatever. But, like, it's not really, I don't know. She feels a lot less like Mary Tyler Moore than in this film. So they sing the Rescue Aid Society song, right? Yep. Which is my favorite song in the movie. So again. Mm. Uh, there are other ones. There was an opening there credit are. one. One of them got nominated for an Oscar. I, yeah. I don't know which one or how it goes or anything. We talked about that <laughs> in the Pete's Dragon episode, I think. 
because fucking Candle on the Water was also nominated that year, and neither one of them won, so good job, Disney. So they're having this meeting because they have found the bottle that mm-hmm. Penny uh, wrote the message in. They have not opened the bottle, which seems like something that would have been done in a smaller session with a concerned group of people before they brought it before the entire right. assembly. This of- could just be trash, you know? <laughs> Maybe right, this could got... be Geraldo and uh, mm. Al Capone's vault or whatever. I suppose it could. Cultural reference that a lot of people don't <laughs> won't recognize. That, that's around when this movie came out. Oh, it would have actually much later than when this right. movie came out. I know. Um, it's a thing. People know. Sure. I don't know all the details. I, so I was just hoping people know. <laughs> I only know it because I read about it on the internet. Like, oh well. I don't know. That... I think I heard about it because they talked about it on I Love the Eighties. So it's one of those like cultural touchstones. Like if we referenced Sinead O'Connor ripping up a picture of the Pope, like how many people are going to know what that's about in 2018 or care? Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. But right, maybe they've got like delegates out there, and and they're like representatives elsewhere for the rescue aid society that like retrieved this bottle and opened it up and went oh okay we got to send this to them put it back in there because shipping i don't know yeah i don't know either but basically it's determined hey uh we get the clue morningside orphanage there's a girl named penny that's gone missing so we need two mice to go do this and bianca volunteers and bernard gets roped in i really don't remember how at this point i think he doesn't want bianca to go because she's like he's like oh she she might get hurt this could be dangerous you know you need a man to help do this or something right none of the other men are willing to go with or wait I don't remember what happened. Do the other men all want to go or not want to go? And she picks... No, she picks She picks him to go, right? To be honest, I couldn't remember if he I think so. held I think a gun a to thing. my head. I couldn't remember if the thing we set up was that he was the only one brave enough to go with her, or if it was all... I think what it was, all the men wanted to go with her because she's the hottest or whatever, and, you know, she picked him because he was the sweetest and most helpful. But I really don't remember because this movie is awful. It's a bit dull. I gotta say. <laughs> and now we get a series of scenes that go nowhere. Like, we're trying to find the orphanage. Hey, let's take a shortcut through the zoo. No, you don't want to do three blocks up and four blocks over or whatever? No, this will be faster. Let's go through the zoo. And, you know, that we're at least showing, hey, Bianca's the risk taker and Bernard is not. But, like, we go into a zoo. We don't see any animals. We hear a roar. And they run away from the animals that are presumably in a cage. <laughs> And then decide, actually, let's not go to the zoo. <laughs> to a silly place. Like, <laughs> Basically. What a fun zoo scene with no zoo animals. <laughs> Didn't yeah, have to I animate thought, anything there. Right. I sort of thought we were going to redo Lady and the Tramp going to the zoo and like, haha, we'll see the animals doing something cute yeah. on the way. Maybe here's we'll meet a wacky the same. Badger. Maybe to you know, the same universe an we'll see the same beaver or yeah. something. But no, none of that. I said badger. I meant beaver. Yeah. <laughs> Because he builds a dam. Also, That's I definitely point. wrote. <laughs> I definitely wrote what happens in my notes. She picks uh, all the men want to volunteer to accompany her at once. She picks the only one with a speaking role. Surprise, surprise. But Good then job. somehow, you know, I'd have to read and talk at the same time. I think we're at the uh, orphanage now. I just wrote down a name and I don't remember the context for it. <laughs> but my notes just say Jimmy Jones. <laughs> Is that was that one of the orphan boys? Possibly. Did he provide the sandwiches for the orphanage? I don't, I don't know. I wrote, looking for the orphanage, the zoo, running, blah, blah, blah. Make it to the orphanage. Everything is conveniently labeled. Old man cat. Yep. I wrote old cat. Oh, there you go. Um, 
uh, yeah, they find Penny's box of stuff, which is a very helpful box to find. Yeah, see, everything's and, uh, labeled. That's what I was referring to. They do they do kind of logic their way through of just like, well, where could Penny be? All her stuff is here. And it's like, well, maybe she got adopted. No, then she would have brought this with her. Yeah, you would like, think so. Right. And so, like, we can kind of figure out, you know, what's going on. And then old cat shows up. His name's Rufus. And he wears glasses. Where did the cat get glasses? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. I've never seen a cat with glasses. I have seen babies in glasses. Those are kind of cute. Uh, one of the babies on Teen Mom 2 has glasses, of course. Um, now it's not a baby anymore because that show's been on for some time. But <laughs> Yeah, no one's a teen <laughs> on that show anymore. No, 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 no. They're closer to my age. Uh, yeah, so the cat wears glasses, and uh, he explains that she ran away because she didn't get adopted. Um, right. I don't know how that's better. Like, I've never been an orphan in an orphanage before, but, like, I mean, I'll just live out in on the street. Doesn't seem better, but I don't know. Right. It seems like no one else questioned why she just disappeared. Like, oh, them orphans always running away, you know? Like, no need to look for her. <laughs> like, wouldn't she want to, I don't know, stay there and get found? It's, no one could possibly think, like, this kid was kidnapped. Yeah, and then we must get, judging from my notes, we must get some sort of flashback here we of do. old man we get, cat inter- right. interacting with we Penny. We get Rufus and Penny talking. Right, because he tells her that Faith is uh, important, and then I wrote that her voice is something awful. Like, <laughs> I hate Penny's voice so much. It is a little annoying. Um, but yeah, it's a scene where she's sad and dejected about not getting adopted, you know, as you would be. Yeah, um, he he seems very close to her, but not really concerned that she ran away. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. she ran away. You know, it happens. It's when you live in an orphanage, <laughs> you see some things. And I'm an old man cat in this orphanage. I think it's like co-workers at like a shitty job. Like, you know, your friends, you talk to each other, you know, you get along. And then one of you gets fired or finds a new job. And then you never think about that person again. <laughs> Just like, yeah. yeah, well, he's gone. <laughs> that was a fun thing that lasted. But uh yeah uh rufus says keep the faith um about 10 minutes in this movie things are moving very slow we've had no jokes no upbeat music no like Mm -mm. fantastical shit no villain just like you know setting the scene killing time as as a result i got distracted you can tell i got distracted because there are margin notes that's when i get distracted so this one hot take are mice overrepresented in the cartoon world like just going through here you got mickey and minnie you got uh bernard and bianca you've got uh fievel you've got uh the tom or jerry i don't know which one is which i think you know i'm not t- jerry surely tom cat tom cat yeah okay. exactly so i never watched much tom and jerry mighty mouse mm-hmm. mice yeah. overrepresented i i would agree with that um i think if you listed enough examples you could come up with every animal has been overrepresented in cartoons like Mm. you could name at least 10 cats like well yeah but at least cats are people's pets and they feel attached to them like true why would you want a like a cartoon mouse like that's gross like you wouldn't be excited if you saw an actual mouse in your room like what about uh a mouse and his motorcycle that was a good book that was a good ralph s mouse Mm -hmm. and he had you know there was like a tv movie version of that or something i remember mm-hmm. that we watched mm-hmm. it like during recess <laughs> it's yeah, one of those had to have indoor recess because it was raining mm-hmm. um oh and then we get uh 
you know, we're still talking, the mice are back talking to Rufus, and he says, like, oh, the cops aren't looking for her, they just gave up or something. And they're like, well, are you sure there's no one, no one, like, no leads or anything? And he's like, well, there was those two trashy people from the pawn shop, yeah, but the there's no way they owner. could be behind this. <laughs> it's like, uh, you'd just be wasting your time. <laughs> it's like, are you sure, man? Really? You don't want to investigate your only lead? <laughs> so, I guess we're gonna go to the pawn shop next. <laughs> And when we get there, we learn that the uh, the villain in this movie, uh, named Medusa, she really does mm-hmm. look as trashy as, as was described. That's very so, true. So, you yeah. know, at first I thought the old cat was being a little judgy like cats can be, but no, he's uh, he's on the money on this one. Gross old lady in a nightgown is what I wrote. We do try to make her look very unpleasant, just like smeared makeup, you know, ugly face, not wearing, not fully dressed at any given time. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just disheveled. rough-ass animation on her, too, helps... Uh, and then, you know, so we're in the, in the pawn shop, we're investigating the phone ring, she runs downstairs, and then we get such an exposition-y conversation where she's like, oh, oh, stop talking, have you found the diamond? What? Penny ran away? I'm gonna repeat everything you say? <laughs> Just right. like, and then, okay, we'll go to the Devil's Bayou, and I'm gonna kick your ass or something, like. Exactly. And so, like, that's what we're doing, and then we pack a suitcase like oh whatever i don't even remember what the little helper dude's name is i, I wanted to either, call him he, bernard but that's he is not aware of the bottles that she's been sending though like yes. he knows this has been going on and has been doing mm-hmm. nothing to stop it well, or... how, once it's gone how are you going to recover it you maybe gonna drain he, the swamp sure but maybe he thinks like you said and it's a swamp and it's not yeah. going to go anywhere it's stagnant exactly. water that's how <laughs> swamps get to be swamps they're gross and nasty because the water <laughs> doesn't move <laughs> real <laughs> so, bright kid penny <laughs> Hasn't figured this out. A message in a bottle in the small pond in your backyard. It's not going to reach anyone. (laughs) So she packs up a bag, which the the rescuers hide in, and then we're off to the Devil's Bayou, and we straight up drive away in Cruella DeVille's car. I don't know where she got that, but... uh, Right. So the mice, at this point, on some straight-up Scooby-Doo shit, know exactly where she's going and that she has the kidnapped girl and what they want to use her for. But they don't alert any authorities that could stop her. No, we mice are going to handle this ourselves. It's their mission. What are you going to do? Call the cops? They quit looking. They They don't care. But now they have a lead. (laughs) They they don't have to. The cops could do something. I I don't understand why this is on the mice. (laughs) I don't either. But I would like to take this moment to perhaps discuss uh, some potential films we didn't get out of this. Because I was doing some Wikipedia research and I forgot to bring this up at the beginning. So we might as well do that now. Mr. Snoops is the other guy's name. Mm. Okay, so to set the scene, uh, The Rescuers is based on a series of books um, by Marjorie Sharp. Mm. Shout out to Marge. We we combined a couple of those plots. But uh, in 1962, the film began development with its initial treatment developed from the first book centering on a poet held captive by a totalitarian government in the Siberia-like stronghold. Mm -hmm. However, as the story grew overtly involved with international intrigue, Walt Disney shelved the project and was unhappy with the political overtones. Later, we brought it back in the 70s, uh, and the animators selected uh, the most recent book, Miss Bianca in the Antarctic, with its story focusing on a captured polar bear forced into performing in shows, causing the unsatisfied bear to place a bottle that would reach the mice. Also sounds better. 
jazz singer Louis Prima was to voice the character named Louis the Bear, and this version was to feature six songs sung by Prima, written by Floyd Huddleston. Yeah, who I, don't know I who wrote that, is. that down too. Uh, well, not about the bear, but about Louis Prima writing songs for it, and they ended up on the cutting room floor. And like, uh, I don't know, a lot of his uh, canon, all of his work is is you know oeuvre, if you will. But like. Uh, <laughs> He's, he's fun. Like, that would have been a cool little jazzy movie, Jump Jive, right. Then You Wail, you know? But no. Well, this at this point, the story gets sad. Because, oh, no. however, in 1975, following headaches and episodes of memory loss, Prima discovered that he had a stem brain tumor and the project was scrapped. Uh-huh. Poor King mm-hmm. Louis. So then they decided, musically hey. at least, that they wanted... Oh, okay. This Wikipedia page just keeps giving. Um... <laughs> Meanwhile, the A crew that had been working on Robin Hood had finished that, and they were set to begin production on an adaptation of Paul Galico's book titled Scruffy under the direction of Ken Anderson. Its story concerned the monkeys of Gibraltar under World War II that would be threatened by the Nazi party's attempt to capture them for the British Empire during World War II. Also a much better movie. When the time had come to greenlight one of the two projects, the studio leaders eventually decided to go for the rescuers. Uh, I mean, if you could have given me a scene where monkeys throw shit at Nazis, Uh I'd watch that movie every 4th of July, goddammit. So then we went with the rescuers, we dropped to the Arctic setting and the polar bear. <laughs> right, and went swamp. It was too dark of a back it was too stark of a background for the animators. Mm. Cruella Deville was originally considered to be the main antagonist for the film, uh, but then <clears throat> someone ixnate that, and then we just decided, well, let's basically do Cruella Deville again, but give her a different name and put her in a swamp. So that's how we get uh, Medusa or whatever. The music in the movie, and we'll talk more about this as we go, is incredibly dull. They uh, originally were going to do the Louis Prima idea, and then, of course, that fell apart due to his brainstem cancer. <laughs> but uh, they they decided they, they wanted the Carpenters to do the music for it. They couldn't get the Carpenters, so that they just made odd. all the songs sound like Carpenter songs, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is why it's boring and awful. Yeah, a real, like, Jimmy Hart version of making this film. Yeah, what if just, we just made shitty Carpenter's reject songs? We don't want to shell out the money, so just make some sound alikes. Also, Phil Harris was supposed to be in this playing a bullfrog. We didn't get that. I love Phil Harris. Same here. Not in this movie. There's, like, multiple times where they thought they had the opportunity to think, like, well, what if we brought in, like, a cool celebrity or just, like, a big charismatic character and, like you know had them sort of we haven't done the genie in aladdin yet but do the genie in aladdin here just like you can sort of be you know our special guest for this film like right now would be a good time to introduce that when we go to meet uh wilbur wilbur all orville orville in this film whichever it is Uh, and they fix that in the second one where they bring in john candy exactly and you know but in this one you're right they don't do that um this movie isn't bad the whole well, it is bad but it's just <laughs> it's boring just dull the whole time. like that's like that's its biggest crime like you know we've had other bad films like dumbo made no sense and was cheap as hell you know alice in wonderland was very annoying this movie's just like boring like that's its biggest yeah. crime and there's no like surprise twists there's mm-hmm. no uh they don't even really attempt much humor uh right the humor in this scene is women be packing like because yeah. Bianca's got her suitcase for the trip and it's really full and Bernard has to carry it. And like, that's right, the whole thing. Are, that's the that's humor our humor we go for mm. is either the villain is ugly. Bianca packs too much stuff and does general woman shit. 
uh, Bernard is uh, superstitious. Like, <laughs> just to clarify, it. when we say general woman shit, <laughs> we don't really mean to imply that women do that. Just no, like, but, or that all women do that. The seventies idea of exactly what Disney writers misogyny. in the seventies feel right. that women, you know, women be shopping, women be packing, women, you know, whatever. Right. Want to so do things we, that they're not uh, able to do, and that's why Bernard has to go and protect her, or whatever. So we meet Orville, the bird, the albatross. Later, we meet, and you know, in the sequel, we meet uh, Wilbur. I think I got those two right. You know, obviously, those names everyone knows where they're from. They're from the Redenbacher twins, noted popcorn makers, Orville, Orville and Wilbur. Well played. Well played. And this guy feels like he's meant to be a comic relief character. But the only problem is he's not funny and doesn't make jokes. He's just kind of there. And um... <laughs> speaking of general woman shit, yeah. and then they get on to Orville and they get ready to fly. Bianca doesn't want to tighten her seatbelt because right. mm-hmm. it would wrinkle can't her dress. wrinkle the dress. Very important. I guess there's a lol women can't drive joke because I wrote that later. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> and then... Uh... I also wrote, this is going to be a, a hard transition looking at my notes here, but I wrote titty scene here <laughs> because, <laughs> right, which just sounds like psychotic ramblings, but that was a I thing with this film. That. No, they never heard of the rescuers controversy where they oh, snuck yeah, in okay. a frame of a nude woman during this scene when they're flying away through the city. Um, mm. they recalled a bunch of tapes because one pervy animator was like, I'm going to put this in here, which in theory, no one would have ever found because how could you see that on a Unless VCR? paused it at the right time and even then it would just be blurry, like... Exactly. But yeah, there's a, a one, like, or maybe I think it's two frames of, you know, a topless woman in a window. Um, so that's a weird footnote about this movie. <laughs> Before they start flying, they make... Bernard and I guess Bianca too, but mostly Bernard read off a checklist of like safety things before they can go, which is like, what if you're on an airline that doesn't <laughs> they, they have want you someone to do else capable check. of doing this, which, uh, have you ever ridden on a train to go anywhere before? No, not outside of like a theme like, park. I was going to say like, besides at the zoo, like, right? They kind of do that there where like they have, uh, you know, not flight attendants cause they're on a train train attendance whatever yeah. but they still kind of want you to do everything and like one time my wife and i uh, were on a train and it was like the last train that left at night or whatever and so like we were the only ones on this particular area of the train and so they had to go through all of the safety stuff about mm-hmm. like how to open these doors and how to do all this stuff like you'd have to do if you were on the like uh, emergency exit seat yeah, yeah on an on a plane except it was all of the safety things because we're the <laughs> only thing only people in this car like jeez yeah anyway trains they're kind of cool so we're flying away on the bird and uh we get more of the bernard bianca budding romance kind of stuff here and I thought it was, like, actually pretty subtle for this film. Like, maybe this film didn't need any subtlety because it's kind of boring. But, like, you know, them working together, you know, she, like, falls asleep on him. But there's no, like, real rom-com-y kind of stuff of just, yeah, like, maybe, I'm nervous or, like... Maybe know, they're but, just friends. They could be, but they're not just friends in the sequel. So maybe I'm pulling oh. from that. But <laughs> Oh, well, maybe. I, I think know. it's kind <clears throat> of a weird transition. Like he's super nervous about it, and then the beginning of the flight is really hectic and scary, yeah. and all that. And then it's just the most mellow, boring ass. Like we have this like 
uh, Chuck Mangione sort of music in the background. I'm, I'm they... trying to picture what the music was. Like something really mellow and all and I'm picturing in, in my head, it's the the Billy Joel song. Um, it's called like Brian's song or something. Then uh, I don't know what the fuck is it called. Anthony's song. Anthony's song. Anthony, yeah, that moving one. out. Yeah, and, uh, that's not moving out. Or yes, maybe that's is. not what I want. It's the because oh. it's no, my no, that's, that's life. my life. The name of the song is My Life. Never mind. But Anthony's song is Moving, moving out, out is really good. My life is boring. I like my life. Yeah. That's the that song I'm picturing. Way more energy than this song that we get for this sure. mellow ass flight to Devil's Bayou. Which I feel like Devil's Bayou, uh, that that should have like a really cool like CCR sort of guitar riff that goes with it. Like <laughs> that could be cool. Like you know something fun for Devil's Bayou. We I'm don't just, get something fun, right? I hear Devil's Bayou and I want to hear like crazy Cajun like redneck yeah. like characters down there. We get some of the little hillbilly mice out there, but like I don't know. I'm just picturing the characters from Princess and the Frog, which does Bayou shit yeah. way better. <laughs> And he would have been, you know, maybe 10 years old at this point. But if they could have got Ed Ogeron, the uh, LSU the football, sure. yeah, football coach, swamp creature. I uh, think I'll probably just insert a clip of him talking now because he should be he in should. this film. He'll be able to throw the ball when he did a better job of blocking for a run game. He'd open up a run game a little bit. He replace, really should. He would fit right in. Yeah. Replace Mr. Snopes with him. That would be great. <laughs> well, I don't know if Snopes is from Devil's Bayou, like, yeah. but at least the, the swamp critters, one of them could have been him. So, evil swamp, shitty houseboat, Penny running away. That's where we're at right now. Um, uh, Penny, yeah, Penny has to make a break, uh, break for it. Uh, they release the gators. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brutus and, and Nero. Yeah, Medusa and Lardass follow on a <laughs> cannon boat. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of them boats with cannons on it. <laughs> well, it looks like the whole boat is just made out of, like, a pirate cannon that they, like, fire when it <laughs> through the water. I thought this scene might have been a better cold open than throwing a bottle in the thing, just like Penny trying to escape and getting scared and getting caught. Like, that way we're opening on action. Action. I didn't snap very good the first time. <laughs> so, like, hey, we're starting the movie. Uh, oh, shit. Escape. You know, sirens going off or whatever. You know, Medusa screaming or Mr. Snopes screaming off screen of just like, get set the gators loose or something. And then she gets caught and then she gets brought back in. And then maybe later she could throw the bottle out or something. You know, that yeah. would that would focus us a lot more by moving this later on. We've had like 25 minutes of, you know, not that interesting film <laughs> to, you know, lull us to right, sleep so before we get to the action. swamp chase like that. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, it feels like it's we're just going, you know, I, you know, 100 miles an hour now all of a sudden after we've just been snoozing through the right. rest of this movie. I mean, it feels like we're going like 30 miles an hour, I would say. <laughs> Fair enough. But then we come to a rolling stop when she gets caught and then like brought back to the boat and it's not like... Well, know. but at the same time, they like shoot off a flare and it hits the bird and knocks Bernard and Bianca out of the sky. Like that's, you know, there's some tension there. Right. Um, yeah, so I think we bring Penny back in and then uh, the rescuers and Orville show up and, uh, you know, they like... Yeah, they fall off of Orville, right, and into the swamp, and then they get sort of, like, saved by these uh, hillbilly mice that show up. Yeah, hits Orville, Bianca Falls, country-ass swamp creatures, Yep. help moonshine sheriff, gators catch penny dragonfly boat. Princess yeah. and the frog is pretty fun, huh? <laughs> 
Yeah, most of those things. Uh, yeah, so our, our hillbillies here. One's a housewife with a rolling pin. One's an alcoholic who you mentioned, the moonshine guy. Uh, he's Napoleon from Aristocats or the mm-hmm. sheriff of Nottingham. Pat Buttram, that was his name. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also wrote, I feel a little uncomfortable with the mousewife because she feels kind of mammy-like. Like, she's, yeah. you know, she's a gray mouse so maybe that helps a little bit but i think they started out with maybe a different color mouse and then went let's walk that back a little bit and just reskin her to be less caricature i don't know these i will say uh that these characters uh make a little more sense here than napoleon makes in aristocats where yes. it, why is this country bumpkin in france for no reason like sure that that he doesn't fit at all there but is also way more entertaining there than just, oh, a, sure. you know, as a moonshine drinking mouse is not quite as fun. So these critters, and especially the the dragonfly critter, uh, made, me, made me think of Princess and the Frog, which is, you know, it's a lot of fun, Princess and the Frog. It's not the best Disney movie or anything, but it's, it's a fun movie. And anytime I think about Princess and the Frog, I think about John Goodman. And I He's fucking good. love John Goodman. John like, Goodman's great. So then, instead of watching the movie, I fell down a rabbit hole of... Uh, Cajun John favorite? Goodman. <laughs> no, who's your favorite John? Is there a John that makes you feel better inside than John Goodman? Like, We're talking I just see... real people? <laughs> yeah, well, but celebrities, yeah. Uh, re- Either him or John counters. Candy. Well, that's what I wrote. Uh, I wrote John Candy, John Goodman. Uh, you just see them and they make you feel good. Are there other Johns that belong in that list? John Cena, at this point, if he shows up and shit, yeah. John Cena more than those two, though? Like, Not more. I'm just listing other Johns that make me happy. Right. I mean, uh, I wrote down also uh, John Stewart, but that's, that's J-O-N, so that's uh, a different. That's a whole different thing. So just Johns with H's. I don't think Cena falls into that category. I think I still have enough Cena. spelled with an H. Well, yeah, he has an H, yes. He falls into that category, yes. He doesn't <laughs> fall into a John that makes me happy, because I still see him and go, oh, you win too much, and your hair looks stupid. Fine. His hair does look very stupid. I mean, he's not, he seems to be a nice guy or whatever, but he doesn't make me feel good inside the same way John Goodman does. Like John Belushi? I mean, he's funny, but he doesn't have the wacky same, Wacky party like, guy. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of other Johns. John C. Riley. That, that's yeah, a good that's one. That's one that makes you feel good. Yeah. And he's still alive. Like with John Candy, you got the, oh, he's awesome, right. but oh. John Goodman is still alive. So yeah, so John Goodman versus John C. Riley and Johns that make you feel good. Way in, uh, listeners. Have you ever seen the photoshopped uh, movie poster for you know it's like you know nineties movie looks real nice sunset and it says John Goodman, John Goodman, and John Goodman. Come see a few Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> I always found that really funny. Where the hell were we? I guess this was a one way trip to the swamp because Orville immediately bails. Yeah. He's not like, you guys have fun with this, I'll be back to pick you up or anything. He just flies off into the sunset. So the plan is to use Penny to get the diamond out of a cave. I guess, like, yes. she's the only one that can fit, or they're... I mean, clearly Lardass can't fit down there. Uh, but it seems like the gators could fit pretty well. Like, I don't know. A, a few things about the scene we just moved through. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, the crocodiles we mentioned, Brutus and Nero... Uh, the dragonfly is named Evan Rude. Uh, he's essentially a speedboat, so we named him after a speedboat. Hmm. Um, during during this scene, 
Bianca falls into the water and we have to save her. I think Evan Rude turns the little boat around to like pick her up, which is twice now we've had to save Bianca on the opening 10 minutes of this mission. Right. Because she fell off the bird 30 seconds ago. And then Evan Rude gets really tired, which at which point I wrote, We dragonflies are natural sprinters. <laughs> Very dangerous over short distances. And then we meet Lardass. I mean, we've seen Lardass before. Like, fine. I don't uh, know his name. Sh- you just looked up his name. Like Mr. Biggles or something. Mr. Snoops. Snoops. He's generally worthless. Um, yeah. There's Medusa here. And she gets to, like, bully Snoops around, which is normally a good trait in a villain, but I don't think it does much to help Medusa, like... For Cruella Duville, it was fun. I made her Duville for some reason, <laughs> but either way, it was fun to yeah. watch her be mean to Horace and Jasper. Like, that was a exactly. good time. And we've talked about Jafar and Iago. Like, that's the formula for a good Disney villain. Get him someone to bully. Hercules okay. and his little... Not Hercules. Hades and yeah. his little uh, Pan and, and Panic or whatever. Pan. Yeah. I think it's Pan and Panic. Uh, maybe. Either way. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, you made me forget my... Oh, Hook and Smee would be... Hook and Smee, exactly. Would be the best example at this point, since those other ones okay. haven't come out yet. So, uh, Disney villain lackeys, where does Mr. Snoops re- like, reside I mean, pretty on far down list. on the list. Mm-hmm. Also, he doesn't seem to be all that villainous, like... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah, mean, he's in charge of he's... watching this little girl or whatever, but... right. He's never really cruel at any point in the movie, where at least Horace and Jasper, like, chase the puppies with crowbars and stuff and True. are gonna kill them. Yeah, I think he just, he's just, like, like, a mean babysitter is basically his alignment. Yeah, if you think he's a horrible villain, then you think the ant from The Lady and the Tramp is, you know... Although she kind of is a bitch, now that I think about it. A bit, yeah. Yeah. She hates cats. No, she hates dogs. She loves cats. She loves... Yeah. <laughs> like most ants. I get hot take. Jake doesn't like ants. <laughs> ants with a U. He doesn't ants like be the... having cats. That's how it works. Oh, okay. Uh, ants um, without a U, he doesn't like either, but that's hardly no. a hot take. No one's over here pro-insect ants, you know. Uh, Medusa is obsessed with a diamond called the Devil's Eye. She needs Penny to get the Devil's Eye. She could probably do it without Penny, but she already has a child slave, so why not? Um, well, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, use the gators. Like, you've got gators you're using to force this girl to stick around. Why don't you just send the gators down in the hole? Can you trust them? They're about to destroy a big organ. <laughs> well, sure, but, you know, it seems like you run into fewer legal entanglements that way. Maybe. But, uh... You know, this is Medusa's motivation, her obsession. She doesn't really have any connection to this diamond, this specific diamond, other than it's big and she's greedy. Like, there's other diamonds down there. She doesn't want that one. She wants this one. But it's not like... it's. it's I wrote it's not like Thorin. Like, it's not like it's her diamond that she's, in, like, you know, inherited and it represents her uh, entire kingdom or any of that shit. Like, it's just a diamond. Like... Grab 20 of the other diamonds and we could be done here. Women want shiny things. Exactly. But Bernard and Bianca arrive on the boat and run afoul of the alligators and they have to run and hide in this big organ. And I thought this organ scene was really cool. Like probably the best part of the movie. Like it could fit in any movie. Just like mice are trying to hide from alligators and they're playing the fucking uh, pipe organ to make it like air blow through and blow them up in the air and the other gators trying to catch them. Like it's really entertaining. And uh, the music's upbeat and exciting because they're playing really fast and uh right then they're it's like a lot of fun yeah you know, yeah you see like their claws reaching in the the pipe organ or like you see their eye outside it and stuff and it's like that's good that's good animal villainry you know 
Um, and then it's even funnier because like Medusa comes in and is not even a little bit surprised that her pet crocodiles are playing the organ. Like, is this a thing that happens pretty regularly? <laughs> She's just like, quit that racket. Not like, what are you? Oh my God, what's happening here? But no, she, <laughs> she runs in and then we just like, she runs in with a gun, I believe, to shut him up. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of gun safety jokes here of just, like, blowing shit up. And <laughs> right. during this blowing shit up scene, we're, like, they're literally shooting at each other. Like, uh, Medusa is shooting at Snopes and shit. And then we randomly play the Mexican hat dance in the background. Like, that, Oh, yeah. That I don't understand at all. At all. <laughs> no. This is like Jasper falling into that freestanding cake that we didn't set up. <laughs> it's like there's no setup for this punchline. Why no, is it here? Sort of, I don't know where. I mean, I guess maybe the swamp is located near the Gulf of Mexico, but I don't maybe. know that even that's a stretch. Like, we're shooting off guns. Is that a Mexican thing? I don't know. I don't know what we're going for there. I don't know. But she's afraid of mice. We learn, uh, you know, because right. she probably agrees with me that there's too many mice in cartoons. Get these mice Could, out of my yeah. cartoons. Um, so then we cut to Penny's bedroom and get a random shot of her in her underpants. Yeah, Not sure no how I feel reason. about that. Why, why do we need to see her change clothes? Like, it doesn't bring anything to the scene. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, if we saw her, like, concealing a weapon somewhere she was changing, that would make sense. But the, none of that is happening or sneaking out some diamonds or whatever. None no. of that. Just, like, what if we had this girl be naked for a little bit? Like, that'll She's make the movie underwear. interesting. Well, still, weird. It's a weird thing. Like... And you haven't seen any Miyazaki films, but when slash if we do that, this point will probably come up again because anytime there's a story about a young girl, she's wearing like a skirt that you see her underwear all the time. Like that's just that's a cultural thing in Japan, but Japan's also a weird culture like so it's it's a hard I'm sorry, Japan, if that's too hard of a stance, (laughs) but like Japan does weird shit, you know, and like. It's like, on the one hand, you'd be like, well, it sort of represents, like, little kids, in a sense, you know, like, they're not grown up, like, they're precious and sweet, and, you know, there's that little kid running around in their underwear or whatever, that's what kids do, but at the same time, it's like, also, you're showing this as much as you can, and, like, crafting shots around it when you really don't have to do that, and I think you know this is weird, too, (laughs) like, I don't think it's obliviousness, and it's especially not oblivious in... 70s american disney film yeah uh another uh sort of cultural uncomfortable moment uh happened in we've established this on the show before i think that i was a french major in college one of my french classes we watched this movie that was popular in france i think actually made in africa but it was distributed in france i don't know Mm -hmm. but anyway like everyone's naked the whole movie like including this little boy um he's not wearing like a loincloth or anything he's just naked and like so his little boy parts are out the whole movie too like it's a cartoon like it's you know whatever Mm. but it's still it's distracting like it's and it's uncomfortable for everyone involved and like the movie's kind of strange like it starts out with him in his mother's uh uterus and like he has to decide to like crawl out (laughs) and like so he does and you see him like exiting like it's it's very odd like like, but it's a cultural thing like to them like he's naked it's no right. big deal whatever this is not that though this is <laughs> no white ass animators deciding eh, what if we what if we put this girl in her panties for no reason and then move on like there's no need for that and like i said if you were going somewhere with it like if there was a reason for her to be naked like if we were showing how she's actually smuggling jewelry out this whole way or whatever right um but no none of that is happening we're just what if we make this little girl change clothes for no reason and then she climbs into bed, and then uh, 
I guess Medusa goes in there, or maybe she calls her to, she calls her, she calls Penny to, pronouns. Pro- Medusa yeah. calls Penny to come see Medusa. Medusa. <laughs> and she's like, pulling off her fake eyelashes while she's having this sort of scene of just like, hey, you're going to go down in this hole and get this diamond for me, blah, 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 blah. Do what I want, child slave. But like, all I ever focused on as a kid was pulling off the fake eyelashes because I didn't know fake eyelashes were a thing. So I was like, this lady's just pulling off her eyelashes. And then like, I would pull on mine and think about that movie. And it was just a weird thing (laughs) being a kid. (laughs) I don't know. I actually watched this movie fairly often as a kid. And I don't know why, because I didn't enjoy it either, but. But Maybe we owned you like it. the changing scene. That was not the reason. <laughs> we owned it, and so like I, I watched it. I think that was the whole reason. I think it was I like Rescuers Down Under. Well, I just watched that the other day, so let's watch the first one. And then yeah, and then you I were like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think we skipped over a thing before the changing scene because I wrote down Bianca, uh, not Bianca. Bernard wants to give up, Does which he? is not not surprising because he's been sort of skittish and superstitious along the way but apparently he just wants to give up like well we can't help I wanna, her i want to go back to being a janitor this is hard right yeah he's in way over his head here they both are because there's no reason mice should be saving this little kid but he is particularly over his head he's not even like an agent he's, he's a janitor yeah exactly i'm guessing there's another song here because i wrote so many fast forward songs in this movie <laughs> and and then i also wrote is this the oscar nom one who the hell knows <laughs> Hmm? Oh, yeah, I was trying to catch up in my <laughs> in my notes. Um, let's see. Paused when the best song is the Rescue Aid Society, and there's definitely an issue after moping long enough. She prays. Okay, yeah, so she mopes for a while. She prays. She cries again, and right. she finally meets the mice. Right, moping on the balcony while this, I guess, Oscar song plays. Yeah. It left such a lasting memory on us, but, you know. Uh, the mice show up we finally we're like 50 minutes into the movie and now like main characters a and main character b meet each other and we get to tell the story for real at this point and i think i don't know should they have just like tried to do instead of doing a blockbuster thing like try to do like a series with these like it's a book series already and like you know because this is the only movie that gets disney movie that gets a sequel for years and years um So, like, maybe if they just started out smaller, made these films, like, 30 minutes long or whatever theatrical shorts would have been at the time. I know there wasn't, like, a Disney channel in the 70s, but, like... uh, According to IMDb, this was supposed to be the beginning of a uh, TV franchise. Like, they were going to make... That's that's what I'm thinking, because then you can sort of balance, like, do we focus on the mice or do we focus on the girl? Just focus on the mice. Make it like, right. oh, so we're going to make another adventure here, Bianca. Use that, use that to launch the TV show. Uh, yeah. That TV show would go on to become Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So right. They did that which instead, is, which is which a has great a bigger show. cast of characters, is more exciting, is funnier. You yeah, know, I haven't seen it in years, but it's funnier than this. Sometimes, um, some great theme crimes, song, great music. Go slipping stuff. through the cracks, but these two gumshoes are picking up the slack there's no crime too big big. case Case. too big no case too small if you need help just call he's getting a drink (laughs) (laughs) i I was just gonna let you do this (laughs) chip and dale rescue ranger chip and dale when there's danger you're in danger oh danger in the urine (laughs) 
Uh, Penny asks Bernard and Bianca if they brought anyone big with them, like the police, which I think is right. a valid a question. fair question, yeah. <laughs> Not that she's being ungrateful, but just like, oh, great, these two little mice are here to save me. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, they're going to use a dragonfly. Yeah, things are really going to go great. But now we sort of set up a plan and, like, we're setting up the end of the movie here, basically. Is this the... Uh... Is this the first time we've seen a a character prey in a Disney uh, movie? You know, I thought about that. We it might be, because I can't remember any. I think so. Maybe Friar Tuck. I don't know. Well, I don't even think so. I know I that there's so like they're in a church right. and there's some like organ music being played, but I don't know that there's any. Uh... Disney's always been very like secular. Of you know, maybe that's part of like mass appeal to everyone. You know, right? But. I think that's the first instance of that. And even so, I don't think she's like, please, God, up above, help me or anything. She's well, just no. like sad on the windowsill. Like, it's not windowsill. She's on the balcony. But it's, you know, keep faith. Faith is a nice generic thing. It doesn't have to be tied right. to any and religion. Right, and you know? the cat told her to have faith, too. Right, yeah. We did have uh, Johnny Appleseed in whatever one of those package films. Because uh, I remember oh, we talked yeah, about yeah, this yeah. then, That's too. right, because he... I don't know if that one counts, though. But he plants the trees up in heaven or something once, yeah. once he's done. When he sings, like, the Lord's been good to me or something. Like, because even then we were like, that's not really a Disney kind of thing. But I don't know. So, yeah, like you said, she asked if they brought the police with them. They don't have a good answer for why they didn't other than the word faith. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> No, we didn't. And don't ask that question again. <laughs> Which is, uh, there's a Dr. Phil thing about that, about, like... Uh, you know, about how you've got to help yourself or whatever. And he's like, well, yeah, you pray to God. This is like Hank Hill, Dr. Phil. This is terrible. <laughs> pray to God, but swim to the shore. <laughs> you don't just sit there. Damn it, anyway, Bobby. Doctor- <laughs> yeah. God damn it. I suck at uh, impressions. Poor Dr. Phil. What are you doing? So we talk through our plan. Uh, we're going <laughs> to trap gators in the elevator, and we're going to shoot off fireworks, and then we're going to steal the swamp mobile. And then we cut to Evan Rude, uh, who's stuck in a bottle and has been having problems with bats. And mm-hmm. uh, then he, like, flies out of there, and the bats chase him, and then he flies through a spider web, and the spider on the web is like, ah, don't! And then, like, he destroys the web, and the spider, like, shakes a fist at him, which I thought was kind of cute. Um, I guess there was another scene with the redneck critters, but I don't know what happened. Yeah, um, I don't either. Uh we're going down the well to find the plot device. Yeah, and Medusa's being fake nice to her here, um, mm-hmm. which I guess is a good way to get heat on your villain. Um, you have the, like, uh, the, oh, man. The I must not tell lies, the Harry Potter. Dolores Umbridge. <laughs> yes, Dolores Umbridge sort of, uh, you know, you're not really as sweet as you're pretending to be sort of deal here. Sure. Medusa has like one iota of the charisma that Umbridge has. Oh no, no, but sure, clearly, but like just in this one particular scene, that's the type of heat that we're going for. Right. Yeah. Uh, now the going down the whale. Uh, whale. The going down the. <laughs> the going down on a whale. The going down the well scene. Um, 
I know we've discussed multiple times on this podcast how I was a little wiener boy who was afraid of everything, <laughs> but yeah. the well scared the fuck out of me and gave me like a drowning phobia of just like you have to go underground there's water flooding in and you're stuck down there and then also there's this big even deeper hole where the water's coming from yeah there's this water flooding in as if there's this large tide coming in or whatever and yeah the science of it is a little suspect Uh, i'm really hoping you were going to bring it at this point because i'll just quote directly from the notes really quit watching once they went in the cave (laughs) so well, um, <laughs> scary water hole is what I got. Yeah. And then it's you real see, scary. You see like, the diamond. Yeah, you see the diamond. Um, the diamond is inside a pirate skull. Now, I don't know. Did the did the pirate put the diamond in his mouth before he died? Like, <laughs> I guess that could work to, like, protect him, protect it from anyone else getting it, maybe. But, like, why is it there? How did that even... Did another pirate, like stab him in the skull with the diamond and then oh, if that's the geez. case why didn't he feel the need to keep this diamond i don't know but basically they have to pry open a pirate skull and uh they there's the big whirlpool and it's scary and then uh they fall down the whirlpool but get spat back out and danger's over because they get the diamond and they get pulled back up and there's not don't need to worry about anything else and Hooray! then medusa like has the diamond and has a weird line here where she's like, yes, the devil's eye, the diamond, it's filled with power for its owner. And it's like, what movie script are you reading? (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) Exactly. Is it like the one ring now all of a sudden? (laughs) It's a diamond. A shiny thing. Its power is it's worth money, (laughs) which is the most important power if we're talking real life. That's that's why Batman has the greatest superpower of all, right? Like a massive wealth yeah <clears throat> but you know then bad clearly guys clearly i meant massive wealth like i didn't say it but like no shit that's what i meant no dead parents the greatest <laughs> superpower of all the no, butler cool car yeah <laughs> batarangs but, but then bad guys are greedy and so they fight over the diamond and then uh we cut back to evan rude and the hillbilly folk who at, at this point have yet to really serve a purpose but this is their third scene I don't know what else happens in this scene because I moved along to now we're pointing the yeah. gun. Yeah, turns on sidekick, held at gunpoint, trips, misfires. Right. Cause... Liquids? Lizards? I don't know what that says. <laughs> Do you know anything about liquids or lizards? <laughs> <laughs> that might be. It's something with an L and either a Z or a Q. <laughs> it must be worth a lot of points in Scrabble. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Medusa is pointing is pointing a gun at everybody and clutching Penny's bear, uh, Teddy, I think, because we didn't come up with a more creative name than that. Yeah, Teddy um, the bear. Because Teddy the bear. diamond the diamond is in the bear, and <clears throat> you know she's threatening Mister Snopes and Penny, and then I guess the hillbilly mice show up and the and Bernard and Bianca set off this whole big croc trap that we set up in Act Two. Uh, and we this whole plan we set up like you know normally when we go through a big plan like this all right we're gonna do this here and this here and this here like you can see at some point it's gonna go wrong but this one doesn't like it pretty much works exactly the way we wanted it to <laughs> like we trap the gators with the perfume we escape on the big uh jet ski or whatever the fuck it is and cannon you know, boat the cannon boat then the fireworks <laughs> go off and then uh you know snopes and medusa are all getting blown up with those and it works like we escape and the movie kind of it kind of feels i don't know we're we're wrapping things up now we literally just like cut to 
hey, we're celebrating in the Rescue Aid Society. Yeah, Here's we do the ultra-happy ending. Right. Uh, the Rescue Aid Society watches the news. Uh, she gets adopted. She tells the newsman how the mice helped her. Like, Right. Everything's happy. And yeah, and so like at this point, I'm like, this movie really feels like we took a 30-minute like Saturday morning cartoon and stretched it out into a full release. Because like, you know, maybe that's all we had in us figured out to do this, you know, trying to set this up as a series anyway. But I don't know. Mega happy ending. Diamond is taken to Smithsonian. Penny gets adopted off screen. We don't meet her parents or anything, but they... We don't even ever see them because she just talks to, like, the news reporter, right? We don't even see, like, there's the new, you know, Mr. and Mrs. No. Jones are adopting Bianca. Right, it's no, just I don't like, think we see them at all. She just says, you know, that she got adopted or the newsman says that she got adopted or whatever. Right. She talks about the mice. Would you ever think of, like, introducing a plot, a subplot of, like, Bianca meets her real parents or something? Like, Do you mean Penny? Are Bianca's parents Bianca, in? Bianca could also meet her real parents, but I did mean Penny. <laughs> okay. Like, that could be a thing. Like, hey, I, you know, I don't know where I, I'm an orphan. I don't have any parents. And then, like, you know, she gets to do this thing and then she's on the news. And then, like, her mom comes back into her life or something. Like, I saw you. I left you at that orphanage. I couldn't come back. Something, anything. Just. I guess. But we've already set up the goal of her, you know, her goal of being adopted or whatever. Like,. Well, I think we might have more, like, release at, with that if we got to meet the people that adopted her well, at some point. we would, that's true. <laughs> but then, like, that also makes me think about, like, when uh, Mrs. Doubtfire first came out, mm -hmm. and, like, the parents are still divorced at the end of the movie. Like, I remember that being kind of like, like people walking out of the movies and, like, being like, so why didn't they get back together? <laughs> like, just, like, totally mind-blowing in 1994 or right, whatever year that, that we came didn't out, do that, that mega happy thing. That people... Yeah, that people might be divorced and still happy For a at the reason. end of the movie. Yeah. How do you feel about the parent trap? Because it's like... <laughs> it's well, I haven't really... seen the original. I've only seen either. the Lindsay Lohan. <clears throat> right. First of all, the movie lasts like two hours longer than I think it does every time. Because like, yeah, they it meet. Is, their yeah. parents get meet, you know, meet each other. We must be almost done here. Nope. We, we have to paint the new wife or maybe fiance. I can't remember if they're married yet. I think I they're getting either. married. Yeah, we have to paint her as, like, a villain the whole time because we have to break up these people to get divorced parents back together. Like, they, there would be a reason they got divorced, right? Yeah, I don't know. Then, like, one of the parents, Dennis Quaid, uh, is the actor that plays him. Uh, I mm. was, uh, I don't remember where I was now, but I was somewhere with much more macho people than myself. <laughs> and they were talking about Dennis Quaid and movies, you know, they associate <laughs> him with. And, like, to, to me, he's always the guy from blah, blah, blah. And I didn't say anything because... <laughs> to me, he's the he's dad the from, from the, the parent, parent trap. trap. Yeah, <laughs> Lindsay Lohan's dad. Similarly, uh, my wife is kind of a big fan of Kurt Russell because of the movie Overboard and like nothing yeah. else. Because so Kurt Russell, you... yeah, like Escape from New York. Like I don't know, isn't he in like Tombstone and shit too? Like he's been around a long time. Did I mean tons to of be action fair, films. I, he's the Guardians of the Galaxy two guy. To sure, me, but... ego. He's really good in that too. Uh, uh, did you ever see Hateful Eight? He's I did. I too. didn't see that. Okay, yeah. he's good in that. He's great in that. Uh, also Old Captain guy Kurt Ron. Russell was great. You ever seen Captain Ron? That's a good. Haven't. 
Is that vaguely sounds familiar, but I don't know. Uh, Martin Short has a family. He wants to like take them out on a boat ride, and so they go out with Captain Ron, who's much more macho and manly than Martin Short, and like it kind of looks like his wife is going to leave him for the captain. It's a whole thing. It's funny. Speaking of problematic films, Overboard. We just remade it somehow, but like it's literally a woman. Okay, so a rich woman treats a poor guy like shit who like works for her. And uh, then she gets amnesia and falls overboard. So then he makes her his wife slash slave. And then they fall in love by the end of the film. Like, hmm. it's very, very awkward. How about that? And their solution when remaking it was to, like, gender swap it. So now it's a really mean guy. And then she pulls the pranks on him. And I, I don't know that anyone saw the 2018 remake of Overboard. But it looked like crap. <laughs> so... Uh, then Dragonfly shows up at the end and says, he's got a new job. Well, he doesn't say anything because he's a Dragonfly. He goes, <laughs> you're right. And now he must have a new job for us. We're exactly. done here. We must send Bernard and Bianca, who appear to be an item now, and they're going out on another mission on Friday the 13th because Bernard is superstitious. And that's our ending, and it's really flat. <laughs> like, there's like not the a whole, whole movie. lot of... Uh, not a whole lot of emotional release for any of this stuff. There's not like, yeah. a, oh, yeah, a big action scene ended and it was really cool. It's just like, no, we're just kind of done. And I don't know. Do you want to say that off off the top what your highest point score was on any of these categories we rank on? Uh, a two and a half. That's exactly what my highest one is, too. <laughs> there are three different things that got a two and a half, <laughs> uh, which so, the scale goes to five. So, you know, that tells you about how average and middle of the road piddling ass this movie is. Exactly. Like, I don't know. And it doesn't even have the charm of like, because we said Robin Hood was kind of middle of the road, but Robin Hood does so much more stuff more interestingly oh, yeah. than this. <laughs> like, I don't know. So we start with the matters. Uh, I think the heart's in the right place of this movie, but the execution is very poor. Like, we wanted to tell, and a lot of it is like we wanted to tell a story about girls that isn't about princesses, which is interesting because mm-hmm. we haven't done that yet. But like, we don't really focus on Penny, and Penny is not interesting. And like, do you think it might have been helped if we aged up Penny a few years? So we, because I don't know exactly how old she is. I think she's like five or something. But it's say, say she's an old enough, like mature enough girl to know how bad of a situation she is and she doesn't have that annoying voice you hate and you know maybe if she was like 11 or 12 or something then this could appeal to like i don't know young girls who want to see an adventure story you know yeah and she could do more instead of just yeah, she could do stuff instead of i mean she does sort of help in the end yeah with the the whole escape thing and everything but i don't know it's a good thing that she does because like Otherwise, you have, no, this little girl couldn't do anything to help herself. She has to rely on right. a dragonfly and some mice to help her. <laughs> right. Hardly, but, you know, a feminist message there. Right. So I think they wanted to do something, but they just, time, budget, any of those things, throwing away four good scripts to do this one. <laughs> like, maybe no one's heart was in it at that point. But because of that, like, there's some good, there's some good character work there's female characters we haven't had that that's good but everything is executed so poorly that i gave it two and a half points i also gave it two and a half points and i will say that there are some movies that we've talked about uh alice in wonderland being one uh, uh sword in the stone being another we're like 
there's not necessarily like a plot that you can follow to go through it. There's not a somebody wanted but so that you can follow. Right. This one, while it's a little dull and there's not any like twists or humor added along the way, right. it's very clear what the situation is. Girl's been kidnapped, wants to get out. Like these mice are here to help her. Everybody's, you know, motivations are clear. We are telling a A to B story here. Yeah. Which is that's it's got structure at least. It just it doesn't have anything to really hook you in. Yeah, so I, I went with two and a half. All right, uh, Meanie. Uh, pretty weak. Uh, I called her unsubtle Lady Tremaine. Like, she's she's what Lady Tremaine would be if Lady Tremaine wasn't an interesting character. Like, she has control over one girl's life, but she uses that not for, like, I don't know, twisted evil pleasure or anything like that she really just wants a diamond and will be like fake nice to help try to get it and then when she does get it she'll like threaten her and but she's just big and loud and uh you know she's her motivation is weak and she doesn't have a villain song which i feel like if you don't give your villain a villain song you don't have faith in your villain when it comes to disney so well i mean except lady tremaine and uh (laughs) Maleficent. <laughs> okay, so maybe there's some bad examples there. <laughs> if you have a big and loud villain that you don't give a okay. villain song. Yeah, speaking of big and loud villains, I think the one that she reminds me of is like an early, like prototype version of Ursula. Like, yeah, definitely she's got kind the same of ugly. Kind of design. She's got yeah. the animal henchman or whatever. She's can be fake nice for a little bit in the way Ursula was to Ariel. Right. But Ursula so. is great, and Medusa is not. Well, I said sort of a prototype version. Like, we're sure. not there yet, but I think it's down that road. I don't know. I gave her two and, two and a half. I gave her just two. Um, well, close, though. Music. Really boring, like, elevator music is all it's sounding like. Like, none of the characters sing outside of Rescue Aid Society, which is catchy. Uh, the rest of them are just mopey background songs, which it's a mopey film, so they fit that, but... Nothing tries to, like, pick us up at any point. So Mm. I gave gave it one and a half. I only gave it a one. Uh, For all the reasons you just said, like, it's dull and it's not integrated into the movie very well, like in other Disney movies where the cast sings. Right. Or whatever, or where you at least have one character that will sing. Like, this is just some background waiting on the next thing to happen. Like, you have music in their, like, flight scene, but if, you know, you wanted to fast forward through that, you wouldn't miss anything. Right. You have music when she's sad on the boat, but you can see her being sad on the boat and exactly. fast forward and miss it, yeah. you know? The music doesn't add anything there. You get sadness. No. Or just so the... even not having lyrics. Like, you could have just had the score, and it might have been more powerful than, like... This child is sad on a boat. Like, that's what the songs are. Yeah, only like the Carpenters. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, a one. Mise-en-scene, uh, I gave it two and a half. It was it was okay. Parts feel cheap, but I did kind of like the matte painting, uh, paintings early on. And the swamp setting, while it could have done more, was fun. Um, and the big... We only got a little bit of this at the beginning, but the big people in small, ni- small mice versions of doing people things you know was kind of cool so it could have done more but two and a half i gave it a two uh the things that i liked were the things that you mentioned the uh the mice repurposing the the human objects uh and the the matte paintings at the beginning but other than that it looks really cheap at times uh some of the backgrounds some of the other animations so just a two 
um, message. Uh, basically the message is it gets better, you know, keep the faith, that kind of stuff, which if you're a young person in, you know, a time of trauma, that is a good message. Um, uh, but then, uh, then also a little bit of like, you know, small people can do big things like the mice mm. do save the day. Penny does save herself with the help of the mice, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so that's good, but it's, I don't know. It could have been like most things. It could have been executed better. And then there's also the message of like women be shopping and you know 1970s shit dustin is struggling with his microphone <laughs> well first like the computer was gonna go to sleep and so i had to move the mice the mouse real quick and then i bumped the pop filter and then it's still not on there good uh so now it will stay no problem but for most of the movie it's just been balanced on the uh microphone playing with my watch which is not good either yeah, anyway it has uh, a screw on there you can tighten i tried but it never really stays like it should okay. anyway i gave it two and a half on the message like i don't think said, i said the, but that's also what i gave it two and a oh, half oh okay uh the little people doing big things or little mice doing big things at least uh some of the negative things like it's pretty heavy-handed on the uh misogyny and uh I don't know, like the little girl just being annoying. I don't know if that's even really a message, but she's annoying, damn it. Uh, so just two and a half, just like we could have put more work into the message and didn't really, it's just kind of there. We could have, if we set up what the Rescue Aid Society did and why these mice are taking this yeah. job that the humans gave up on, then it could have been built up more, but they don't do right. that. So, Yeah, and, and we get a little bit of like the grand scheme of things for the rescue aid society would like their poster of the mouse pulling the thorn out of the lion paw or whatever, but yeah, <clears throat> nothing more specific than that. Um, and then we go to our magic score. Uh, the rescue aid society is cool. That's about it. That's where the magic yeah. of this film is. What if there was Pretty a society much. of mice that fit, solved people's problems? That is cool. I like it better when it's chip and Dale rescue rangers, but whatever. Two points. Uh, one and a half points. Yeah. So, when you add all those up, um, I don't. I, I I'll list them again real quick for you. Matters two and a half. Meanie two. Music one and a half. Mise en scène two and a half. Message two and a half. Magic two. Uh, Y'all can check my math out there, but I got thirteen points. So uh, that's thirteen out of dragonfly. I don't know. What's a thing? How can you even name a thing from this movie? What's an iconic rescuers thing? Uh, 13 uh, interesting movie scripts about totalitarian regimes and shit that we didn't go. get instead of this movie out of 30. Monkey turds flung at Nazis. <laughs> it's a real shame we missed that. How many did if you get? you add up mine, two and a half for the matters, two and a half for the meanie, one for the music, two for the me's, two and a half for the message, and one and a half for the magic, it adds up to 12. You don't have to double check my math because I already put it into the spreadsheet and it said it was 12, so <laughs> 12 it is. Uh, that's 12... Uh, repurposed human combs as ladders uh, out of 30, which is uh, another rare occasion of me giving a movie a lower score than Jake. Yeah, that, I don't know that that's maybe that has. Yeah, that hasn't happened on a bad movie yet. That's happened on a good movie, but yeah. Now, I want to say when we watched this in 2009, I never saw your full rubric uh, of Disney films. You're getting very close to your webcam. Is everything okay? <laughs> uh, you can't see this, but I've switched tabs and i'm looking at our sp spreadsheet okay. but the numbers are very small <laughs> you were just, just like trying to read them slowly getting closer to me i'm like is something wrong <laughs> yeah there's like a fly on the screen i was watching no i was trying to read this spreadsheet and i'm an old man 
your 2009 rubric, I seem to recall you having this at the very bottom. Is that still the case? Uh, it's in the bottom three. That's what I was just checking. It is a third from the bottom, uh, it appears. It uh, it got 12 points. Dumbo has 11 and a half points. And Sword in the Stone has 10 points. Well, our bottom three are the same. They're just in a different order. Uh, Rescuers is third from the bottom for me, too, with 13. Uh, Sword in the Stone was uh, next to last with seven. And then Dumbo is last with six. So that's our bottom three. And uh, just for comparison, our top three right now, Jungle Book for me, 27 and a half. Cinderella, number two, 23 and a half. And Snow White with 20. My top three, Snow White uh, with 23, then Jungle Book with 24 and a half. And then Cinderella with 25. All right, so we're through with that one, but uh, we're still, I mean, this is this is sort of the, uh, the down years, the new generation era of Disney, uh, so we got a while to go till we get to the Disney renaissance. Let's see what our upcoming films are. The next film after this one, uh, gonna be another kind of a slow one. We got The Fox and the Hound. I kind of like that one. I watched it more than The Rescuers as a kid. Also quite somber. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what all it has going for it. And then after that will be a really interesting film because it's very, very, very non-Disney. It's The Black Cauldron. Uh, I've only seen it once. so I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. Yeah, I don't. I remember there's like an annoying monkey thing. And then the villain is called like the Horned King. But that's that's all I got. Annoying guy and villain. So but, I'm looking forward to seeing that one again. Yeah, fantastic. May not work stuff. well for our. Uh, Probably won't. Our rubric, but I think if our you know, rubric is nice to see how Disney are these films, this is a very non-Disney film. But it will have magic in it, just maybe not Disney magic. It's true, I don't know. We can talk more about uh, fantasy fantasy pictures when we get there. But uh, but that'll uh, wrap things up for the rescuers here. Uh, join us again next time. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. And dudes. Dudes. Now I do have a talking snack for us. Okay. But I really have to go pee. So. Oh man. The tension, this anticipation. I'm still talking even though I realize that you don't have your headphones in anymore and I'm just talking to an empty room. This is unfortunate. Talking snack. Yeah, yeah. Talking snack. Yum, yum. Talking snack. Uh-huh. Let's talk about some snacks. Hey! As I've mentioned before on this show, I have a job where I have just a whole lot of free time to myself. Just let my mind wander. So, like, a month ago, I had just, like, a... A real like light bulb out of nowhere of a talking snack idea. So I started making notes on my phone, and what I want to talk about is uh, strange food combos because like I just having that thought pop in my head. There's a lot that applies to us that I think we could really get a good diatribe going back and forth here. Because um, before you do though, uh, do you like combos? The, <laughs> the actual snack, the brand combos. Like, um, okay, I don't think I've ever had name brand combos. But, like, mm. I've had, like, Walmart ones of just, just like, peanut butter-filled pretzels and stuff. Those are good. Yeah, but they, they make, like, like a Cheese pizza ones version and, like, pizza and, ones. Yeah, We've never had yeah. any of those. I'm not big on pretzels. So, not even you big like, on soft whoa, pretzels. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't like pretzels? They're fine. I don't, like, buy them. I love pretzels. Hard pretzels are good. Soft pretzels <laughs> are really good. <laughs> Who doesn't like pretzels? They're, again, they're fine. If I had to pick chips out of a vending machine, I wouldn't pick pretzels. Well, maybe, but soft pretzels though—that's good shit. Also decent, but you know, if I'm decent. at like a ball, if I'm at a ball game and I have an option of like a hot dog or pretzel, I'm gonna get a hot dog. <laughs> See, your problem there is the word or. <laughs> You're <laughs> it's right. It's not a hot dog or pretzel. It's not like. an option. <laughs>
Yeah, you can get both. There's no one saying you're limited to one item at this ball game. So my plan was to come in with a talking snack topic, and of course we're already completely <laughs> fucked. Food combos. The reason I wanted to bring this up was because uh, I, uh, my my wife's grandmother was recently staying with us for a while, and I think I blew her mind a couple times with my eating habits. Uh, one time she walked in at like seven a.m. and I was just eating salsa in, in the kitchen, like. Uh, like leaning up against the counter eating my salsa for breakfast i get that that's a little weird but that's not a combo i mean is it weird though like people put salsa on their eggs and stuff like people eat salsa at breakfast i guess so but uh then later we made uh pancakes and what i like to do and what i know you like to do is with pancakes or waffles uh you know everybody puts butter on pancake pancakes pancakes is what i just called them <laughs> pancakes uh general audience i don't know if you guys have ever tried this but uh, I like to put peanut butter on mine and she had never seen this like she was like oh that's just so wild to me like peanut butter on a pancake and it's like yeah it's great with the syrup obviously you know you yeah, don't yeah, want yeah. just yeah peanut butter and syrup go great together which is a very like buddy the elf kind of thing to say <laughs> just like yeah peanut butter and syrup goes on everything <laughs> and um, and how much peanut butter do you put on there uh, uh, I am pretty uh pretty lenient with my peanut really? butter but oh, i, no, no, I no, am no. aware that you like to do choke a dog peanut butter <laughs> exactly you put half a damn jar of peanut butter per pancake expensive that like, pancakes that way but you know that's like a three thousand calorie breakfast <laughs> well do yeah you go crunch do you like to go crunchy or creamy on a pancake uh usually we only have creamy uh in the yeah. house not super into crunchy I like crunchy better, I think, on most things, but it's harder to spread, so I buy mm. creamy because it's easier, because <laughs> that's the amount of effort I want to put into it. <laughs> you know, right. it's it's 2018, uh, unless this comes out next year. Uh, why don't we have squeezy peanut butter? Why isn't that a thing? Like, why can't you know, we just a very good question. some peanut butter out? You could get peanut sauce, but that's more savory than sweet. Yeah, it's not, no, it's not what I want. The other thing I wanted to bring up, which was a staple in the, uh, I don't know if we've ever said our last name on I don't the think show, we have so maybe I shouldn't say that. It's a staple in our household in our growing home, up. childhood home. <laughs> which was anytime we had spaghetti, we had purple hull peas to go with it. Which, very, purple hull peas, really big in the South, or black eye peas, I don't know the fucking difference. Uh, I think it was normally the purple hulls that we would have, though. But You see them often in, in Southern cooking. I don't know that you often see it with Italian food, but... <laughs> In our home, every time. It's like the pizza and corn of school lunches, you yeah. know. But and I brought that up. I've gotten my wife on board with that one. She doesn't like peanut butter on pancakes, but she's like, okay, you know, we're getting spaghetti. Might as well get some purple whole peas because it works. Yeah, mine's on so. board with that, too, although she thinks it's weird. We also do it with, like, your Italian uh, hamburger helpers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> sounds more believable. <laughs> yeah. Just like Any our dinner is coming from the same aisle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're... <laughs> If you're gonna have a bowl of chili, though, what do you have? What do you have uh, to drink with your bowl of chili? Milk. Milk exactly. sounds great with chili. Exactly. I said so too. I made chili a couple weekends ago. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have some milk with this chili. And mm-hmm. then she was just totally disgusted by that. I like, why would you have milk with chili? Like, but it's soothing. The chili's really hot. Exactly. You need the milk to spicy. You know, yeah. And you know, milk cuts through the like tomato sauce kind of taste. Uh, milk also goes good with spaghetti. Audience, if you're out there listening. Oh yeah. You've clearly turned off this podcast by now when we said we hated the fucking rescuers. But. Well, maybe. But maybe you know that, like, you skip through the Disney takes. Fast forward always to the end of the, uh, you know, the talking that's where, snacks. That's where the good stuff is on this podcast. <laughs> um, 
the other things I wanted to talk about were just like kind of weird, uh, like college, like don't have any groceries <laughs> eating habits because I know you have a uh, one you've let me in on a couple times. Uh, <laughs> the time you tried, uh, big lemon cookies with, uh, would you like to take it from there? <laughs> Uh, it big well this wasn't a like i'm out of money thing this was like we're at a party and i'm trying to like oh, impress okay. people sort of thing that's your that's your <laughs> well, go-to impress, move. but like make uh make an impression if not impress <laughs> that's uh, a better word yeah so you know you got your i don't even know the brand uh who makes these lemon cookies they're not like the lemon filled sure cookies a, a walmart brand out there but they, they look sort of like donuts you know they they're not big like donuts but they they have a hole in the middle like a donut would right. um they're more on the crunchy end, although sometimes they can be kind of soft. Anyway, lemon cookies. Uh, right. That's like in a green and white bag. I don't know what the brand. Anyway, so you take two of those and you spread a whole bunch of bean dip <laughs> between. <laughs> on there, you make a little lemon cookie bean dip sandwich. It's delicious. Is it really? Well, I ate it to gross people out, but then like it kind of got to be a thing that I enjoyed. And it was like, eh, maybe, maybe I'll do this again. Yeah, I was going to say, did you do it again alone with no one watching? Well, you know, it was very rare that I had all the ingredients on hand, but, you know, because I've looked for those damn cookies. I haven't seen them in the store in a long time. Maybe that brand doesn't make them anymore. I Maybe, don't I don't know. Lemon cookies and bean dip, though. <laughs> yeah. I got some bean dip the other day. I tried uh, spicy bean dip. Uh, mm. It was made by the same, the bean dip brand. I don't know whoever makes that Fritos, of, I yeah, think. I think Fritos. Anyway, Frito-Lay bean dip or whatever, but they make a hot bean dip, which uh, really didn't taste much different, but it's delicious. <laughs> I had a similar, to, similar to lemon cookies and bean dip. This was the thing I told my wife uh, back when I was in college, and she was really grossed out when I did it. I was just like, what? It was what we had in the pantry. Um, I made rice, uh, just like one of those prepackaged like chicken flavored rice, and I was always looking for interesting things to put in the rice. Normally, I would have like frozen uh, breaded chicken patties that lived in the freezer. You know, I would make those a lot of times and cut them up and put in the rice and just like you know, that doesn't fried seem gross. Frozen freezer chicken and rice. No, that wasn't gross. But there was oh, a time okay. when I was when I was out of those, and I was like, well, what can I put in rice to make it more interesting? Vegetables? Pfft, who the fuck has those? Let's put croutons in it. <laughs> So I had croutons and rice, and the ta- the two flavors didn't really go well together. Oh, no. But getting a little crunch in the middle was nice. Yeah, that seems know? like it could be a good thing. Uh, if you're Kelsey, gonna put Kelsey the- was just like, "Oh my god, what is wrong with you?" So. If you're gonna put the chicken in with the pre pre flavored chicken rice, you also have to add some shredded cheese, right? You ever oh, do that? I never tried that. Oh I yeah, it's good have. stuff. No, there was a. Uh... There was some recipe like on the back of the rice bag, which is where you want to look for your dinners. <laughs> that was like make cheesy Monterey chicken rice or something, and I did that once, where like you put black beans in it and some kind of mm. chicken and like a bunch of no, no. This was the staple of, of uh, my in laws' house. Like they would make the chicken rice, they'd fry little little chicken strips, cut them up, put them in there, some cheese, you know, then you know maybe bake that. I don't even know if they baked it or if they just put it in one big you know like pot or whatever and then scooped it up. Yeah, That's sounds good, good to me. My wife is also grossed out by our grilled cheese making habits, our meaning mine and yours, because she does not join in on this. She's not a fan of Velveeta. She wants plain, plain, uh, you know, one single slice of craft cheese in yeah, her grilled cheese my sandwich. Wife is the we, same way. I think two yeah. slices, but yeah. All right. We always had Velveeta, and it turns into like grilled cheese soup afterwards because oh, it all it's melts fantastic. out. Yes. I know, and then you get to like scoop it up with your pinky and just like. I usually yeah. use a chip, but yeah. Mm because sure. it can be really hot and you don't want to burn yourself so well i wait till it like cools into a oh, soft okay. like cheese gel i don't know but yeah it's better with Velveeta and miracle whip 
Yeah. Well, I we are a mayonnaise household at this point, but oh, sure. Well, well. I don't know what the difference is. I thought they were the same thing, and then Kelsey said Miracle Whip was gross, so I quit buying Miracle Whip. <laughs> That's how easily swayed I am. <laughs> Fair enough. And then she also wanted to bring up, just as a general me and you are gross point, of uh, when we used to go to... Uh, restaurant that's no longer there that was called hole in the wall and they used to have mac and cheese that was real it is still there by the way i thought they closed it no it's well it's in a different location but it's still i think it's still going i think it's mostly a catering went, thing but i think you can I, still okay i don't know a local restaurant uh yeah. but they had you know southern food and like their mac and cheese was real soupy and uh based on your suggestion because it was the thing you had already done after you mm-hmm. finish eating your meal you take your little straw and you suck up the mac and cheese juice <laughs> hell yeah you do and yeah so that's you don't want to just turn it up you're in a restaurant that would be uncouth to just be drinking <laughs> yeah. out of your bowl you know but you stick your straw right. down in there <laughs> yummy <laughs> so that's not really have... a combo related thing but no. kelsey just wanted to make sure people knew how gross we were I wanted to discuss one more thing on the grilled cheese. Uh, You know, a couple years ago, we started making ours on a griddle instead of on a regular pan. World of It's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. And on Texas toast. You got to do that, too. Oh, yeah. We don't don't keep Uh, that on hand. Speaking of griddles, I went went to the Home Depot earlier today, uh, saw, I guess, what is an outdoor griddle. It's basically like a desk like you'd have in your like it's huge like why would you ever need to griddle this much like i don't know what you could like if you worked at a hibachi place you would need one this size but like otherwise why would you ever need a griddle this big yeah we have an indoor griddle that we've used like once so yeah and it's sort of long shaped you know like a rectangular sort of football field sort no this is huge like big square like restaurant size flat top you would be cooking on were you here you weren't here when nanny came down she talked about there's a hibachi place in uh yeah it's where the old uh there used to be a diner towards the you know at the end of her street there and now it's in right a, yeah so she was brave enough to try that apparently but you know she doesn't do well with ordering things she doesn't know and like mm-hmm. she doesn't do well with things that are expensive so right, like yeah. dad was down trying to, to explain it all but like she went in and she just she wanted the shrimp Mm-hmm. She was like, I guess I, I want shrimp. I don't know exactly what comes with it, but I want shrimp. But she saw like shrimp hibachi was like $14 or whatever. So she's like, well, I'm not paying that. So <laughs> then she went up and was like, I don't know. She ended up ordering like a $7 version. Did she think which she was could just, haggle? Like- I don't know. <laughs> but it was just shrimp and didn't <laughs> come with the veggies. Or I don't think it came with the rice either. So she I wonder like, if she knew well, like this I- is... I haven't been to that particular place, but like you get an enormous portion at, at a place. Right, and that's place. what dad like, was trying to explain. Is like you would eat three meals out of it the way you eat. Yeah, I mean, and, I still just uh, get one usually, but you know, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, we talked but, about having that. Uh, I live in a very small town, but there is a hibachi food truck. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. That is really uh, delicious. We might do that uh, once we're finished recording today. So <laughs> sounds like a good lunch. I'm getting hungry now, so maybe you know, we should wrap of it all up. the sauces that are out there, there's one sauce that lives up to its name, and that is yum yum sauce. Like that, that shit's telling the truth. I like that this is a new revelation for you. <laughs> well, fair enough. I don't get adventurous with my foods. I'm just saying. This is like when you were like 21 and you were like, huh, grapes are pretty good. <laughs> Please, I was 25. <laughs> okay. I was 21. Yeah, and then Twixes after that, the next year. <laughs> And then I would have thought by this point in your life you had tried every candy. No, like, no, grapes, I, I think Twixes, I have. And then the next year was string cheese. 
Have you guys, have you tried string cheese? It's delicious. They got this new stuff called salsa. I bet you never tried it. No, I've had salsa, Dad. Well, have you ever put it on a chip? Yeah, Everybody Loves Raymond, best show. (laughs) Bunkle in the Jungle, worst song ever written. I'll fight you right now. Well, that's Talking Snack, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. Eat some snacks. I'm going to go do that right now. Yeah. Cool, bye. And then we click stop. Oh, well, I'm not ready. I mean, you can stop whenever if you just want to put something funny at the end. I don't know. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, share it on social media, leave us a five-star review, anything you can do. We would greatly appreciate anything to help this podcast grow. If you want to tell us your opinions on these Disney films, if you want to suggest a potential bonus episode for us to review, or if you just want to talk to us about some snacks, send us an email at dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. That way you will never miss an episode. And talking about episodes, the next ones we got coming up, we got Fox and the Hound, we got The Black Cauldron, we've got The Great Mouse Detective, we got Oliver and Company. If any of those episodes appeal to you, make sure you talk to us about it. We want to hear from you. So thanks again for listening. I'm Jake and I'm Dustin. And that's it for The Rescuers. It's time to R-E-S-C-U later.